You are listening to Church Talk with Isaac. Welcome to another episode of Church Talk with Isaac. Again, this is your host, Isaac Watson, and I want to just thank you all for taking the time to listen to this podcast, taking the time uh, and subscribing, taking the time and writing a review. As a matter of fact, let's just stop right now and let's just take a moment to do that if you have not already. Take a moment right now. If you have not, stop whatever you're doing and go ahead and just click the rate button button and go ahead and rate Church Talk with Isaac, and also take a moment, only about a minute or so, and write a review. Think about how this podcast has impacted you, and go ahead and write a review um, so that others know uh, what to expect from this podcast, and it also helps to get the word out there and make Church Talk with Isaac more visible to listeners who may not be familiar or even aware of this podcast. All right, next what I want to do is I want to read a review from one of our listeners. And uh, this one is from, I think it's Kiara J. That's how I'm going to say it, (laughs) Kiara J. And um, uh, she wrote, this podcast really makes you think. Isaac is super humble, but also willing to talk about scripture in a way you may have never imagined. I love the mixture of knowledge and humility on this podcast. Really makes me want to investigate the scriptures. Thank you so much for that, Kiara. It really, it really um, does my heart glad. It makes it glad, and it does you know it gives me so much joy to know that this podcast has infected you, has impacted you uh, in such a way. And uh, hey, uh, the best is yet to come. I got a lot more things coming up, a lot more content. And uh, thank you so much for that. I wanted to read this particular review because it's a great segue into this topic today. Now, y'all know I can be controversial. You all know that uh, I like to make you think. I like to challenge you uh, in much of what we've been taught, much of your concepts, much of your Christian and biblical ideologies. Today, what we're going to talk about is the Bible. And what we're going to talk about concerning the Bible is whether or not it's essential or non-essential. What do you mean, Isaac? To be essential, it literally means uh, of utmost importance. To be essential, it means to be absolutely necessary. Now, we're going to talk about this. Is the Bible essential? Is it absolutely necessary for every believer to have a Bible? Is it absolutely necessary to to have read a Bible or to read a Bible or for it to be a part of your daily life as a believer? Is it necessary for effective Christian living, effective um, Christ-like, Christ-centered uh, a living? And uh, we're going to just take a moment. We're going to explore that. We're going to explore a few different concepts. And uh, hopefully, I know there's there are going to be a lot of people who hear this and they're going to disagree with me. Um, however, I'm just going to I'm going to give you uh, as much uh, evidence, as much uh, scriptural support. And I'm going to give you uh, as as much really as much as I can in order to give you a clear understanding of my perspective. All right. Is the Bible essential or is it non-essential? Um, I think one of the things that we have to look at is biblical history. We have to look at the history of Christianity, really. And we have to look at how it changed, how it evolved. And we have to look at one term. That term 
is sola scriptura. Sola scriptura. That's a Latin term. Sola scriptura is a Latin term that means scripture alone. It means scripture alone. It's a Latin term um, that was that was coined uh, through the Protestant Reformation. Uh, the Reformation led by uh, by Martin Luther. Uh, later on by John Calvin and many others that came after that broke away from the from the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, and they believed that the Roman Catholic Church was putting unnecessary burdens upon um, those who were a part of the church. They broke away and they began to see and they began to understand that, hey, we don't need all of these rituals. We don't need. Uh, to go to a priest for salvation. We don't need any of these things. We are saved by grace through faith alone. And there's there's other words that are that are coined um, that deals with Christ alone. We're saved by faith alone, by grace alone. Um, um, but one of the things that they coined was was sola scriptura, which means that scripture alone is the ultimate authority of the Christian faith. And uh, I want to kind of look at that and I want to look at what um, what we have adopted. I want to look at whether or not what we have adopted is entirely true. All right. Because the thing that we have to understand is that just because something has been widely embraced by the Christian faith, it doesn't necessarily mean that they got a hundred they that they got it 100 percent right remember during the protestant reformation they was on their way back um they were they were breaking away from what they believed was a uh, a sect of dominant christianity that has broken so far away from the new covenant doctrines that were taught by jesus that were taught by the apostles that now this was their journey into moving back towards what they believed was first century christianity so we want to kind of look at these things because i think one of the things that we've done is we have now some of y'all this is going to ruffle some feathers but we have put the bible on the same level, on the same plane as God. And we have made it to whereas it's no longer the Father, the Father, the, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've made it the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. And I want to say this, uh, that I believe that the Bible is important. I believe that the Bible is very beneficial. I believe that the Bible is an aid. It's something that can be used um, for our good, for our benefit. As a matter of fact, when we look at Second uh, Timothy chapter three, verse 16, it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And literally, that means that all scripture is God breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So clearly we know that scripture itself is something that is very beneficial. It is profitable for us. Now, it's one thing to say that all scripture is profitable. It's another thing to say that scripture is the foundation and scripture is of up is 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 of utmost. Um, uh, excuse me to say that scripture is extremely necessary in order for the believer to be a believer. Now, one of the things that I want to examine is the idea that the first century believers did not have a Bible. So we got to begin to ask ourselves what came first. Is Christianity a byproduct of the Bible or is the Bible a byproduct of Christianity? 
And when you start to evaluate and reevaluate and go back and look at that, it really brings a different understanding of our foundation because Christianity cannot be founded upon the Bible if the Bible was not something that was uh, that came about. If the Bible was not something that was constructed until check this out, hundreds of years after the church was instituted, hundreds of years before the scriptures were actually put together. Hundreds of years before the Bible, what we know as the, even the New Testament writings, what we know as the Bible uh, was was uh, was was canonized. It, it was hundreds of years. So Christians actually made the Bible. The Bible does not make Christians who they are. As a matter of fact, the first century believers, the first century church, the early church, they went hundreds of years without even reading a Bible, without having a Bible. The Bible was being constructed. What we know as the Bible was being constructed during these days. The letters, the epistles um, that were being written, the letters that were written uh, from Peter, the letters that were written from Paul, the letters that were written from John, the letters that were the gospels that were written from Matthew and Mark and, and, and Luke. All of these letters that were written and these documents that were constructed, they were constructed after the church existed. So we got to begin to look at some things because I want to I want to I want to uh, I want to make this claim to, to you all. Some people say that we need the Bible because the Bible is the logos, the written word of God. And we need both the logos and we need the rhema. I believe 100 percent that as a church, we need the logos and we need the rhema. But one of the things that I believe as a church that we have misunderstood and we have we have misplaced uh, uh, and misidentified is the Bible as being the logos. And I want to make another controversial statement. And I want to say this. The Bible is not the logos. Can I say that again? I feel you all rising up on me. But I want to say it again. The Bible itself is not the logos. There are not two words that describe what it, what the word of God represents. There are actually three words that that describes what the word of God is. You have the logos. You have the rhema. And check this out. This is the one that's often overlooked. You have the graphe. Graphe. G-R-A-P-H-E. It's a Greek word. You have the graphe. Now, let's explain what these three are. All right. The logos is the living word the rhema is the spoken word or spoken word made by a living voice the graphe however is the written word or what we would know to be scripture what i read in second timothy chapter three where it says all scripture is god breathed that word scripture is not the word logos it's actually the word graphe and it represents a written word it represents a document or it represents scripture so again i want to say that the Bible, what we know as the Bible or the written word is not the logos. The logos is the living word. The logos, check this out, according to John, is Jesus Christ himself. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is the logos and not the Bible. It doesn't say, and, and I, I don't believe it was intended to be interpreted that in the beginning was the Bible. And I don't think anybody interprets it that way, even though the word there for word is 
is logos. In the beginning was the logos. We've never interpreted that as Bible. So why do we today interpret the Bible as being the logos or the written word? Actuality is not. It's the graphe. In the beginning was the word was the logos. What is the logos? Again, it's a living word. Let me give you some more in-depth definitions of the word logos. Logos is actually where we get the word logic from. So when we say that in the beginning was the logos, that's more better interpreted as in the beginning was the logic. Another definition is the reasoning, the motive, or the expression of a thought. In the beginning was the expression of God's thought. It represents actually the divine expression. So when we're talking about Jesus as the word of God, we actually the word when we interpret it as the word even though i know he is the word of god i believe that that is a a a, 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 a almost um it's not a full picture of what the word logos actually represents more so than it being the word of god i would like to think that the logos represents the mind of god that jesus was actually the logic of god jesus is what makes sense to humanity jesus is the reasoning of god the man who was slain before the foundations of the world for that reason jesus was created jesus was formed he was the reasoning of god jesus is the motive of god not just the word of god in the beginning, God had a motive for creation. God, all things were formed in him and through him and for him were all things made. He was the motive. He was the expressed thought of God made flesh. He was the expression of what God always intended for humanity, which is reconciliation with him, which is all things being restored in him, which is all things dwelling in him, both in the heavens and in the earth. Jesus is the divine expression of God. So when we're dealing with scripture, when we're dealing with the Bible, I believe that um, the Bible is something that is an amazing asset to the Christian life. But I don't believe that it's essential for Christian living. I don't believe that it's essential um, for salvation. What are you saying, Isaac? I believe that for the Christian, the Bible is an amazing tool, but it's not necessary for salvation. It's profitable, but if you never read a Bible, if you've never owned a Bible, can I tell you that it's not a salvation issue? Now, what I'm saying today doesn't really apply to most Americans because the Bible is something that most Americans have access to. You can go to a hotel and there's a Bible uh, in the drawer. Most you can you can go on Google. You can download an app. So it's not as uh, rare as it was back then. But you have to remember that back then in the first century, when they were living in that day, they didn't rely on the Bible in order for their in, in order to live an effective Christian life. So you may ask me, what makes them a Christian? And because I want to tell you, the Bible doesn't make them Christian. Christians made the Bible. All right. Christianity once again existed hundreds of years before the New Testament canon was even organized, which means that the early church did not rely on the Bible for effective Christian living. Let me tell you what they relied on. They relied on four things in Acts chapter two. Verses 41 through 43, it says this. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3000 souls were added to them and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship 
and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. The early church relied on four primary things for effective Christian living. Number one, they relied on the apostles doctrine. Number two, they relied on fellowship with one another. Number three, they relied on breaking of bread with one another. Number four, they relied on prayers amongst one another and personal prayer. Now, I'm not going to go through all four of these, but I'm going to deal with the one dominantly that I believe would also um, speak to um, uh, the biblical significance uh, of the Christian faith. And that is the apostles doctrine. All right. Now, what we have to understand about the apostles in that day is that the apostles did not have a New Testament canon. What was the apostles doctrine if they didn't have a Bible and how did they receive it? The, the, the doctrine that they were teaching if they did not have a Bible. Now, some of y'all may say, well, especially some of you uh, pastors or leaders, you may say, well, the Bible says that they gave themselves to the ministry of the word. OK, well, let's examine that. Let's examine that really quickly. OK, Acts chapter six, verses one through four. It says now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the hell by the Hellenists uh, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this matter. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, this is the thing, y'all. Again, the word word, unfortunately, in America, well, through, through the English language, we don't always reap the benefits of or uh, we don't always see the richness of of the scriptures because of our American language. And sometimes words are translated in a general sense and it loses the potency of its intended um, definition. It loses the potency of its intended. Um, uh, uh, yeah, it's intended definition of what it was meant to be interpreted as its intended interpretation. The word where it says that we must give ourselves to the ministry of the word. This is not talking about Bible study. The apostles were not saying, and I know that many of us, many leaders today, many pastors today, they say, look, let's delegate deacons. Let's delegate other ministries. Let's delegate leaders. Let's delegate um, um, uh, uh, directors, elders, whatever, so that we can give ourselves to prayer and to Bible study. And let me tell you, Bible study is good, but that's not what the apostles were talking about. They weren't talking about Bible study. They were talking about the word for word. We must give ourselves to the ministry of the word. That word is the word logos. It's not graphe and it's not rhema. It's the word logos. Je excuse me. The apostles are saying that we must give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the logos. Now, what does this represent? If not the Bible, what does this mean? If not, if not reading scriptures. Now, this is what I believe it meant. I believe that they were giving themselves over to prayer and to the ministry or servitude or check this out. They were giving themselves to the engagement with the logos, engaging the logos, which is not uh, 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 letters on a book necessarily letters on a page necessarily. It is a man. Galatians chapter one, 
verses 11 and 12 says this. This is Paul speaking. He says, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. I believe, let me make this statement. I believe that the first century church were, was way more spiritual than we are today. I believe that the first century church and the apostles in the first century relied more on the Holy Spirit than we do today. They relied more on the voice of God and the voice of Jesus than we do today. Paul literally just said, I didn't receive the gospel from another man. I didn't receive the gospel from uh, from a, from from another teaching. It came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Or in other words, Jesus was revealed to me. We know this to be true. If you look at Acts chapter nine, when when Jesus had a conversation with Paul, let me tell you, what if I told you that that just wasn't a one time conversation, but that was an ongoing conversation through the life and ministry of Paul. And what if I told you what if I told you that that was an ongoing conversation through the life and ministry of the other apostles where they literally had such a connection with God and with Jesus Christ that they contended with him, that they engaged him on a regular basis, that the same Jesus who stood before them 40 days after uh, uh, his resurrection and talked to them concerning all things regarding the kingdom of God. He gave them instruction. He gave them what to do. And they still spent time because he is a living voice. They still spent time engaging him and in prayer what have i told you that now let me say this it doesn't take away uh, i i believe wholeheartedly that jesus is revealed through the scriptures i believe wholeheartedly that you can find jesus from genesis to revelation i believe wholeheartedly that jesus is contained that the logos is contained within the graphe i believe that within the graphe or within the scriptures within the bible we have both logos and rhema we have both the spoken word of God or the prophetic utterance of God and, and the prophetic utterance of, of those men and women who were inspired by God. I believe we have that and we have Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the, the types and shadows of Jesus, the reality of Jesus. We have all of those contained within the graphe or the Bible. However, what if I told you that the Bible doesn't say everything about Jesus? Would you believe me? What if I told you, as a matter of fact, you don't even have to believe me. You can believe the words of John. John said at the end of his letter that there were so many more miracles that were performed that they could not even be contained. There were not enough books to contain the works that Jesus has performed in the earth. So it's just not my word. It's just not my opinion. It's literally the words of John in John chapter 21. It says there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written uh, one by one. This is John 21, 25, verse 25. And there, there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. And then he concluded it and said, amen, or so be it. So even what we read in the Bible is not the fullness of what Jesus did. It's not the fullness of his ministry. It's not the fullness of his life. So the apostles did not have even this to rely solely on. They relied on the voice of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So I believe this about the Bible. I believe that the Bible is 100 percent um, inspired by God from Genesis to Revelation. I believe that men were inspired, that the scriptures, that the things, the documents that were written, I believe that they were inspired by God. I believe what Paul 
uh, told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. I believe that all scripture, all graphe is given by inspiration of God as God breathed. I believe that it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. I believe that it's given all those things that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I believe that 100 percent. But I do not believe that the Bible is necessary, meaning that every born, every believer has to have one in order for salvation to be true in their life. What about the thief on the cross with Jesus? Jesus said, you shall surely be with me in paradise. He didn't say, hold on for a second. Let me go grab your Bible. What about the, all of the many nations that do not have the Bible? Are you telling me that if Christ is preached to them because they don't have a Bible, that their salvation is not solidified? What about Paul saying that I became all things to all men, that I may win some to the Greek, to the Jew, I became a Jew to the Greek, I became a Greek. What about Paul minister? Now, I don't have time to go into all of this. I'll, maybe I'll do this another time. But there were many occasions where Paul ministered salvation primarily to the Greeks without ever using scripture. There are other means as to how Jesus can be revealed to to men. Romans chapter one says that God, Jesus is clearly seen. God, the attributes of God are clearly seen in creation. In the natural things, uh, theologians call it natural theology, where we can look at the beauty of creation and G and God can be revealed in it. Paul. OK, that's the whole we're not going to go there. But let me tell you, I may have to do a part two because we're probably going to have more questions than answers after this. But let me say this, especially for Americans. And I know I have other nations that tune in to church talk with Isaac. I am not saying you don't have to read your Bible. It's almost like when you deal with these types of topics, you got to kind of be like Paul. Like, do I continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. No. So let me say this. Do you not read your Bible that grace may abound or, or that the ministry of Christ may abound? No. The Bible is an asset and people that have one are blessed. People that are able to read it and study it and, and, and ask God questions and become intimate with God through meditation of the of the scriptures. I believe you have an amazing gift. The Bible is an amazing gift. I would never discredit its validity. I would never discredit its inspiration. But the Bible, although it has authoritative things in it. The Bible is not the ultimate authority. Jesus for the let, let me say this. The, Bi the Bible is the ultimate authority for some people, but not for all people. It's an ultimate authority for Jews. But for those who are Christians who did not grow up under the law, again, a whole nother episode. Some of it is authoritative. Some of it is. Let me say this. All of it is authoritative. But not all of it is relevant for your life. And I have other podcast episodes that talk about that. Uh, there's just certain things that that are written as particularly pertaining to the old covenant that are not relevant uh, uh, or presently applicable for the new covenant believer. But I want to say this. I believe that the Bible is, an, is significant. It's important. It's inspired. It's a benefit. It's a tool Hallelujah. It can be used for righteousness. It can be used for edification. It can be used for correction. We're blessed to have it. 
But if you're in a nation that don't have them, let me tell you, no condemnation. It does not affect your salvation. All right, listen, I know this was a rough one, but hey, I just I wanted to talk about this. And uh, I know this is probably one of the more controversial ones that I had to, to, to talk about. And I want to embrace your questions. If you have questions, if you want to uh, uh, pick my brain about this a little more, I encourage you. Write me something. Find me on social media. I'm more than happy to answer your questions. And uh, and, I'll, and and maybe I'll even try to address them if they can't be if, if they're uh, too big of a discussion that I think that maybe everyone needs to hear. Um, I'll respond to most of your questions personally. But if I feel like it needs to be addressed on a bigger scale, I'll probably create another episode and I'll address them. All right. Listen, I love you all. I hope this helped you understand a little better and uh i'll talk to you all soon thank you for listening to church talk with isaac if you enjoy our content and benefit from this podcast do me a favor and subscribe leave a review and share with your friends family and colleagues i'm also on all social media platforms and would love to connect with you you can also partner with us by visiting isaacwatsonministries.com and clicking donate Your partnership helps us to get the message of Jesus through Isaac Watson Ministries to the world. Talk to you soon.